Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 17 called The Oracle Concerning Damascus. What we tend to do sometimes in the church is we isolate a certain sin and we say, oh, that's horrible, but my sin is you know, not that bad. But see, what's happened is there's been, go back to Isaiah, there's been an intensity that's come to the debate. Not because, um, not because sin isn't sin and because adultery is just as bad as homosexuality. But because we, we now have a sin that it's being said can be naturalized and normalized, and we say it's okay, and then we have our fill in the blank because of this, this, and this. And at some point, we have to say, but, but for a nation to decide those kinds of questions, there has to be a moral framework that you work from. It can't be just the decision of what we perceive to be the majority. It can't just be the decision of this person or that group or whoever's the squeakiest wheel or the loudest voice, there has to be a moral compass or framework that we say, no, we work from here. That's what Israel was supposed to do. They're supposed to say all moral decisions, all spiritual decisions in this nation, all moral decisions in this nation will come from the bedrock of truth and we will then fill in the blanks on what may be gray from there. But we will always start with the foundation of what God has revealed in his word. But we don't do that anymore. Now we say no. It's more subjective. It's more up to opinion polls. How do people feel about this? And then I'll make my platform in keeping with how people feel. Well, that's just twisted wrong, unbiblical logic. And you see where it's gotten us now. Because where is it going to stop? Because when the next issue comes along, then the next group's going to say, but wait a minute, we decided this this way, so we'll do the next thing. And then it'll be the next thing, and the next thing. See, it is a slippery slope. It's just not about one issue. But the one issue, in essence, opens Pandora's box to a myriad of other issues. You've got to have a foundation. You've got to say, look, the buck stops here. Do we believe this or do we not? Do we, are we saying that we have a smorgasbord approach to our Christianity? We can throw this one out, but we'll keep this one. I like what he said over here. Then who's God? You or God? If you're going to decide uh, you know, what God is really saying today, then you've put your play, yourself in the place of God. And then God is no longer the God of your life or of that nation. Do you see? See, this is where we've come. And I don't know how to change it other than a spiritual revival that must take place in the hearts of people for them to see things through God's eyes. God is not against people, but he knows that there are certain ways that we can live that inevitably will affect us both in our soul and our bodies. And so the glory of Jacob will fade. What happened to Israel is they begin to look at the other nations and they begin to say, we want to be like them. We want to worship their gods. And a lot of the foreign gods, by the way, were fertility goddess, gods and goddesses. What the nations believed is that if you stood before one of these altars and you engaged in abominable behavior, they didn't believe in, in the deities were per se personal. 
What they believed about that, the deity, is if you acted out something, it may, uh, instead of being able, like, say, with a personal God to plead your case before him, you had to do something maybe to get him to do something in like fashion. So if I commit this sinful act before this idol, then maybe the god or goddess will then bless me with fertility blessings, i.e. crops, animals, children. See how this works? This is what they believed. The forces of the gods were more like an impersonal nature type of, of deity. But if we did these things, maybe we'll coax them. Maybe we'll get the ball rolling. These were the thoughts of the pagans. And then that God will, in concert with what I'm doing, send the blessing in keeping with what I've just acted upon. That's how they got away with stuff. This is how they reasoned in their minds. And God says, your glory is fading, Jacob, because you, you, you've now embraced these things. This is, this is part and parcel with who you are. And your glory is fading. And I'll tell you, it's a concern, isn't it? that that won't happen here, that we will somehow see the glory of God revisit in its full splendor. It will be five, Isaiah 17, even like the reaper or the harvester gathering the standing grain. Now he's been talking about Israel's glory fading and notice something about that glory fading. The fatness of his flesh will become what? End of verse four, lean. And I couldn't help but think of economic problems. But anyway, And it will be even like the reaper or harvester gathering the standing grain as his arm harvests the ear. So here's a picture of a harvester. He's he's, uh, harvesting or reaping the field. His arm is extended. Makes you think of the powerful arm of God and salvation and his harvest of the end of the age. He harvests the ears or it will be like one gleaning ears of grain in the valley of Rephaim. Now the valley of Rephaim, for you note-takers, uh, Joshua 15.8 and 18.16, it's referenced as a place in South Jerusalem, and uh, it's a place where the poor would glean. So basically, a harvester, would he would harvest his field, and he would leave a little of the edges for the poor, and the poor people could come and glean from the field, and they would get some food for themselves. Well, God says, I'm going to do some gleaning now. Yet, gleanings will be left, and interestingly enough, the Valley of Rephaim, the Hebrew word means shades or ghosts. And some people believe that it could mean the valley of death. Things have become lean where there was once fatness, yet there will be gleanings left, six, in it like the shaking of an olive tree, very small numbers here, two or three olives on the topmost bow, just a few pieces of fruit left, four or five on the branches of a fruitful uh, tree, declares the Lord, the God of Israel. So God says the harvest is going to happen. There's going to be a lot of shaking and gleaning, but there'll be a little bit left, and the little bit left is usually in this setting called the remnant. There's always a little uh, hint of hope in these passages that God will leave a little bit. There'll be some true fruit on the tree, if you like, and it will remain. And in that day, man, or here the Hebrew word means mankind, will have regard for his maker, seems whenever the tree gets shaken, the eyes will look, and the word look in Hebrew means look with a steady regard or keep one's eyes fixed upon to the Holy One of Israel. In that day, 
when the gleaning happens, when the uh, harvest takes place, when there's only a remnant left, it seems that the remnant's eyes in this setting will then turn to his maker. And uh, here, notice that the end of verse 7 says, the Holy One of Israel. And in this setting, it could mean maker in the sense that God made the heaven and the earth. But more specifically in context, it probably means the maker of the nation of Israel, which is a key distinction. Because if you understand who made you, then you understand what you need to be doing in your life. This is a key question. Who made the nation of Israel? Who called Abraham? God. And God made sure that Abraham had a child of promise and his name was Isaac. And then God made sure that there was another child, though he was not the oldest, and he would be Jacob. And then he had 12 sons, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and they were the 12 tribes. And through those 12 tribes comes one tribe being the tribe of Judah, and from the tribe of Judah comes the Messiah. The creator, the maker of Israel is God. The maker of me is God. He's my maker in the sense of creator, but he also made me in the sense of he made me his child. The maker of the United States is, is it? Is he? That's a debate. And so here's the issue. Have we forgotten our maker? Is this the key to the reasons why we have what we have? Well, let's take a look. Go uh, to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. Look at verse 1. Isaiah 44, 1. But now listen, Isaiah 44, 1, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Isaiah 44, 2. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, that's another name for Israel, whom I have chosen. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land, good news, and streams on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's. And that one will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord. And will name Israel's name with honor. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last and there is no God besides me. You see, we have the sprinkling of hope that in this remnant, the people will realize, they will say to themselves, this is uh, language in response, God's gonna help them and then they are gonna say, verse five, I am the Lord's. Or they're gonna write on their hand, I belong to the Lord. You know, there's going to be a time when people will take a mark on their forehead or on their hand. And rather than them saying, I belong to the Lord, they'll be saying what? Just the opposite. But there's going to be a time for Israel when the remnant, the few olives that are left, the few pieces of fruit that are left, will turn 
and they will acknowledge their maker, the maker of their nation, not just the heavens and the earth, but the maker of Israel who chose them and formed them, and they will say, yes, I belong to him. Yes, we wounded him. We denied him, but he has not denied us. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. But he has not denied us. Go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, look at verse... Oh, (laughs) Oh, verse 5. No, 4. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one, I have also called you by your name. I have given you a title of honor though you have not known me. I am the Lord, Isaiah 45, 5, and there is no other God besides me, or no other besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, the men, that men may know me from the rising to the setting of the sun. You think God's trying to make a point? That there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being, creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Drip down, O heavens, from above. Let the clouds pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up and salvation bear fruit and righteousness spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. An earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth. Will, Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, he has no hands? Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, to what are you giving birth? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker. Ask me about the things to come concerning my sons. And you shall commit to me the work of my hands. It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands. I have ordained all their host. I have aroused him in righteousness. I will make all his ways smooth. He will build my city and will let my exiles go free without any payment or reward, says the Lord of hosts. I could read this all day long, but we'll keep moving. Isaiah 51, look at verse 12. Isaiah 51, 12. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Isaiah 51, 12. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? Why do you trust in, if I could add, Syria? Why do you fear Assyria? And the son of man who is made like grass, that you have forgotten the Lord, Isaiah 51, 13, your what? Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, that you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor, as he makes ready to destroy. But where is the fury of the oppressor? I'm the one that comforts you. Why do you fear the wrong thing? That was Israel. 
And it caused them to do some very silly things. Go, go to Isaiah 54. It's possible to forget God. Do you know that in Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation, that's what he said to the nation, we've forgotten God. We've forgotten his blessings. We think that by our own skill and, and whatever, intellectual abilities that we've done this, it's a mistake. Isaiah 54, 3. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your descendants will possess nations and they will resettle the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame, neither feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. But you will, for, uh, you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting loving kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Now, a couple more and we'll return to Isaiah Uh, back in Isaiah. I want you to go to the Psalms for a second. Look at Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Now we're talking about the glory of God and what what should we be about? What should we worship? And the worship of the true God is not with man's hands, things made with man's hands, but rather uh, it's not about idols, but it's about the true God. Psalm 96, look at verse one. Sing to the Lord a new song. Psalm 96 Verse one, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his, what? Glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, verse four, and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens, splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty in his sanctuary. And then one more. Go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Listen, O my peoples, verse one, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Psalm 78, three which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Let's go back to Isaiah. So, so much that God says about the nation about it not forgetting, about it not 
having the glory fade from it, about it making decisions in keeping with the foundation, about it teaching the next generation and even babies yet to be born that Yahweh is the true God. And so the oracle comes, the heavy message comes, and when the trees are shaken, man's attention turns to his maker. And notice what happens. In that day, man, seven, 17, seven, will have regard for his maker. His eyes will look to the Holy One of Israel, and he will, from a negative side, this is what he will turn away from, he will not have regard for the altars, the works of his hands, nor will he look to that which his fingers have made, even the ashram and incense stands. He will turn away from the false gods. The Thessalonian church, it was said of them, for they themselves report about, uh, to us about what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. Look at verse, verses eight and nine and notice that the altars of false gods are the work of man's hands that struck me. Everything behind idolatry is based upon self-reliance. You've been listening to The Oracle Concerning Damascus, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah, Chapter 17. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to Walk in Truth on this station. Please continue listening here because, well, this station is honoring the Lord by serving many more ministries in addition to ours. And you'll get to hear the latest broadcast from Pastor Michael. Walk in Truth is also available on your podcast app on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many others. You can listen to all of Pastor Michael's previous teachings. We have Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Colossians, Job, Ephesians, Psalms, Revelation, and many more. Listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, here we are at the end of another week, and you know we've gone through now uh, yet another wave of COVID, the Omicron variant. And uh, sounds like from people I talk to all over the country that it's moving through the whole country. <laughs> and I am not being glib about it, but it's just the reality. Sometimes we have to laugh lest we cry. Um, but I will say this. There's some promising uh, things that I've heard certain doctors say, multiple doctors say about this variant that uh, may be a blessing in disguise. And I'm not downplaying it if it's hit uh, your household seriously, but uh, hopefully the population is building up immunity. It sounds like it's not as powerful as um, the Delta variant. And uh, it sounds like there's some hope that we could get back to life. Uh, I'll put this in quotes, normal life, whatever that may be. But I have to ask a question. And here's my question. The Lord has allowed this to happen on a worldwide level. And the question is really for the church. Are you attending church? Are you involved in a church? Are you walking with the Lord? Would you say that your walk is stronger than two years ago or weaker? Has the world um, situation caused you to backpedal or move forward? Are you more engaged in your walk with Jesus Christ, more on fire to tell others about the good news of the hope in him or less? 
has live streaming replaced your fellowship? I'm not talking about legitimate reasons. I'm talking about, have you become lazy, apathetic? And it's just easier to watch it on a screen. And now it's just become an excuse for you to hang your hat on. I know these are tough words, but let's be thinking about them. Because if the Lord's sending us a message, let's say that the Lord has used this to prune his church, to purify his people. I pray that that's been the case. And I pray that we're ready in 2022 to hit the ground running, brethren, and uh, live our lives for the glory of our King and the extension of his kingdom. Speaking of that, we want to encourage you to be in church. And if you don't have a home church and you live Anywhere near the Inland Empire, I'd like to invite you to Living Truth, where I serve as senior pastor. It's an incredible fellowship, a great time of worship through music, a very loving church. And what you hear on this program is taken from the pulpit ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and and Lincoln Avenue. Right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. And so come on out and visit us. You can find out information and directions at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We're coming to the weekend. I pray you are in church, but more than that, that you are the church. You're engaged using your spiritual gifts. You're serving the Lord, worshiping in spirit and in truth. Let's get back, brethren, brethren, and let's pray for revival in America. Let it start with us. Amen. We'll see you on Monday. God bless you. And for those of you who will be with us on Sunday, I look forward to seeing you then. Have a great weekend. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 17 called The Oracle Concerning Damascus. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.